All right, good afternoon. Welcome, everybody, welcome. Um, yeah, evening, afternoon. It's midnight outside almost. Um, Pastor Ray is back in town, but uh, before he left, he asked me to speak tonight because they were going to be getting in, and then on top of it, he is actually ill right now. He's a little sick. He has a kind of a flu, I don't know, uh, that he picked up while he was gone. So he, he had asked me to speak a couple of weeks ago anyway, um, but he was planning on being here, but due to the fact that he's not feeling well, he is not here. So you just have me. <laughs> um, real quick, let's, let's open with a word of prayer, and then uh, I want to get into this word that I have for you guys. Um, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this day you've given us, Lord. We just thank you that you've brought us into one place, Lord. Lord we, we just thank you, Lord, that we're in a great nation, Lord, that we have the freedom to express our love for you and our worship for you, Lord. We just ask that you come into this place today, O oh God. Open our hearts, Lord. Let our ears be willing to receive and to hear, and let our hearts be open to receive. Lord, I thank you for this mighty nation, Lord, for our leadership. Lord, and I just ask that you be in our midst this evening. And everyone said amen. All right, um, I'm going to be speaking to you today about absolute truth. And this is a topic that uh, the Lord gave me a few weeks ago, and I've actually shared a little of this with the youth group a couple of weeks ago as well. Um, and it's just something that's really been burning my heart. And then Pastor Ray asked me to share, and then I just really didn't even think about it, but the election was yesterday, and so what better time than today to really speak on this topic of absolute truth. And I want to start with this survey that I found online, and it talks about the American public, and it says they, uh, they polled, I don't know how big the poll was, um, I, that I wasn't, couldn't confirm, but they said that 66% of Americans agreed with the fact that there was no such thing as an absolute truth anymore. And what was more startling than that was, and this is what I share with the youth, but 75% of young people, high school and below, believe that there is no such thing as an absolute truth. And so those numbers got me thinking, and then I got to praying, and then God got to giving me what I want to share with you guys tonight. And, and it's, like I said, it centers around this idea of an absolute truth. And now, especially in this nation, like I said, I, I don't visit very many other nations, so I can speak on America, but... In America, we have this idea of a relative truth. We don't necessarily have this absolute truth anymore, and we all seem to be confined and happy with just having a relative truth. And, you know, and that, that kind of bothers me. I don't know if it bothers you, but it kind of bothers me the fact that no one really understands or believes in the fact that there are absolute truths. For example, if I had an apple, a, a nice shiny red apple, and I asked you what color it was, you guys would say it was red. And that's an absolute truth. The apple is red. But there are people who don't actually necessarily believe in the fact that it would be a red apple. They would say, well, what about a colorblind person? If a colorblind person saw it, they wouldn't see red. They would see maybe shades of gray or white. Or... But does that really change the fact that the apple is actually red? Just because someone has a different perspective or a different eyesight or a different vision for something, it doesn't necessarily change the fact that the absolute truth is this apple is red. Or let's take, for example, mathematics. 2 plus 2 equals 4. No matter where you go in the world, 2 plus 2 is always going to equal 4. Is, I mean, am I correct in saying that? 2 plus 2 equals 4. No matter where you go, you do 2 plus 2, backwards, forwards. No matter how you do it, the answer is always 4. And then I came to this conclusion that you know why people hate math so much these days? It's because math is an absolute truth. With math, math is absolute. There is no maybes or possibilities. There is just an absolute truth. And so people reject that just out of nature now because they just reject the idea that there can be an absolute truth. And having a teenager doing math 
We argue back and forth. No, this is the correct answer. Well, why? Because that's the correct answer. Well, yeah, but if you do it this way, no, no. This is the only way, this is the only steps, and this leads you to an absolute truth. And so, you know, when you go to schools and when you talk to kids, kids hate math. They just, they, they really, really despise math because of the fact that it deals with absolutes. And so we can all agree that the world needs absolute truth, and it's pretty much our job as Christians to be and to portray and to express that absolute truth. So basically what's happened in our country, and I, I want to go through this real quickly about some of the things that I feel has happened to this country that has maybe led us away and led us astray. First off, our standards have been tossed aside. We have lost standards in this country. Okay, like I said, I'm, I'm 33 years old, you know, and, and even in my short time, I've seen things change even in my life. And I'm sure some of you that are older have seen a lot more than I've seen, and you've seen the regression of this nation as from what it was to what it is now. And it usually deals with the fact that we don't recognize those absolute truths anymore. But truth, by definition, has ceased to become absolute in our nation. It's changed to circumstantial and emotional, basically whatever feels right. And I know Ray's talked about this several times, you know, whatever feels right, uh, people do it you know, their way, they do it their own way. But it's true. This is kind of how we've developed as a nation. We've gone to doing things based upon our emotions. We no longer have convictions about good and evil anymore. There, there is not, you know, the Bible clearly states there's good, there's evil, but we've blurred those lines, we've, we've kind of marred those lines, and they're, they're not defined anymore. So we've lost those convictions and we've lost those beliefs. And so we've traded good for evil and evil for good, and we just play with them back and forth. One day something might be good, the next day that thing might be evil. It depends on the perspective of the person looking at it, just like with the apple, you know, whatever your perspective says. So we've changed our perspective. We've lost that identity of who we once were. I'm going to start with a couple of uh, things that people say. How many of you guys have ever heard somebody say, if people want to do it their way, it's their right? This has become a pretty popular saying now. Oh, well, that's the way they want to do it, so it's okay. Uh, there's no sense in talking to them or challenging. That's the way they want to do it. It's okay. Or you'll hear this statement. Who are you to decide what's right and what's wrong? All right? Like I said, I have a teenager. We, we hear statements like this in... In my school, like I said, I'm a teacher at my school as well, and so I hear these statements. Well, you know, how are you know that's right? How do you know this correct? How do you know? And so we hear these statements, and as Christians, we get, we get told these statements as well. Well, how do you know that, you know, Jesus is real? How do you know that the Bible is the truth? And we get asked these questions over and over again. And I think, because I, I believe Ray told me he had been sharing on basically how to evangelize. Is that kind of what you guys have been going on? And so these are some of the things that you come across as well when you are out speaking with people and talking with people about Christ. They want to challenge you, and they want to challenge your truth because that's something that they're lacking at the moment that is that truth that they don't have. Um, I want to turn real quick to 2 Timothy, if you guys can turn there with me. We're going to turn to 2 Timothy 2. find it too. There we go. All right, 2 Timothy 2. And we're just going to read a couple of verses here. Verse, is everybody there? Verse 2 says, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Okay, and so this, these are just some things as Christians we are told to do that we need to begin to commit these things to memory and begin to teach others as well. 
Down in verse 7 it says, Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Not some things, but all things. And remember, we're still dealing with truth here. Verse 15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And by, by, right there where it means the word of God, the word of God means the God-inspired word, the conclusive, the all-knowledge. In the notes I wrote here, all-knowledge. This is all knowledge, and this is the truth that we speak of. Um, so why do we need truth? Okay, so we, we understand that we're missing the truth, but why do we need it? And I want to go through a couple of quick examples. The first example I came of was our judicial system. And Lonnie, you know, you work as a constable, as a cop, so you, you can kind of relate to some of this as well, what I'm going to be sharing on here. But in our legal system, we have abandoned the idea of absolute truth. Okay, we have gotten rid of absolute truth. In our, it used to be, this is the law, you break the law, this is what happens. But we've actually, we've done away with a lot of our laws. We've changed our laws. Um, basically, the laws have now become public opinion. And, and like I said, you know, Lonnie shook his head and said, yeah, that's what's happened. The laws have become, okay, so now, and like I said, we had the election last night in Colorado and... Washington now have legalized recreational use of marijuana. They voted on it last night, whereas for years and years and years it was an illegal drug against the law. Now, yeah, and, and so that contradicts it. So that, that was actually the discussion. Well, what's the federal law going to do about that now? But so in these states, they've decided, public opinion, this is now our new law. This is what we now believe. Okay, and so we've obscured and we've changed what we used to have as laws. Um, the justice system has made the criminals out to be victims. You watch TV and you see, you see the newspapers and you read about it. Oh, well, well, you know, this was going on in their lives or this happened or this has happened. And so we're making criminals almost to the point where we feel sorry sometimes. Now, I'm now not saying that, you know, we shouldn't care and love one another. But what I'm saying is that the lines of justice have been blurred to the fact that we're starting to, you know, even change the way we view criminals. And, and we're, you know, we're psychologists and things like that are coming in and changing those views. They basically are allowed now to blame everyone but themselves. Once again, I have a 14-year-old son in my house, and I'm seeing him, and he blames everyone but himself. And it's, that's the way it is now. It wasn't me, it was this. Um, and, and so, you know, my wife and I have sat down and talked to him, about guilt and guilt by association, and even if you weren't doing something, you were with that group, that means, you know, you were involved. And so, but those, those lines have been blurred. It's always somebody else. It's always something else. And so we, we're not taking that responsibility um, for our actions. Um, and so basically, what I have to say about this is with no standard of truth, it's impossible to have a justice system. So now that we've lost this absolute truth, we've pretty much lost our justice system in this country. And we're losing it slowly but surely. And it's all because of truth. All right, let's take a look at our, um, just some of our, our, our tolerances now that we have. I, I talked about the marijuana thing. I, I, I'm not going to harp on that. But we have a built-up tolerance now in this country for uh, sexual promiscuity, for, for adultery. We have a, a, uh, a, a I guess, even homosexuality is, is becoming more of a norm. I think a couple states even voted that in last night. That homosexual, you know, and so we have all these different things that have been, you know, pornography. Pornography is at an all-time high in this country right now. 
there is, I think I wrote it down, it is, I just wrote down billions. It didn't actually have a good number, but there are billions of dollars every year spent on pornography alone in this country. And that's just this country. You know, and this is becoming a worldwide problem. Um, I, I talked about this with the kids over there. We've even lost our morals as far as our youth. And, and I, I, think it's, I don't think it's funny, I think it's sad actually what's happened is we no longer tell kids not to have sex. What do we tell them? Be careful, be safe. We hand out condoms. We don't say, no, don't have sex. We don't stand on that truth anymore. We just tell them, you're going to have sex, here's a condom. Here, take two, just in case. Okay, and that's, like I said, and that's even changed, because I knew when I was growing up, it was don't have sex. But even within the last 10 to 15 years, it's been, okay, look, we know you're going to have sex, just, you know, there's AIDS and there's disease and there's pregnancies, just, just here, use this condom, because I, you know, even parents, you know, I don't want to be a grandparent right now, so here's some condoms. We don't tell them, no, don't have sex, it's not right, wait till marriage, it's, you know. We tell them now, just be safe. And the schools tell them, just be safe. I mean, I'm in a school, and that's the mantra. Just have safe sex, because you're going to do it anyway. So we've, we've crumbled that truth as well. Values like honesty, responsibility, integrity have all been forsaken and replaced with other measures of self-worth and of, of selfishness and self-seekingness, okay? Um, distrust is everywhere, because, because we have these imbalances, we have people that don't have the honesty and the responsibility. We now have distrust. Even amongst our families, we have distrust. Even amongst, you know, even in a church and, and, and in the communities, in our workplace, everyone has a distrust of someone else. Nobody truly trusts anyone anymore because we don't have to, because they've let us down before, because we know there's, when there's no truth in you, who, why would you trust somebody who had no truth in them? Why would you love someone who had no truth in them? How could you even get into a relationship and really be responsive and, and adaptive to one another if we're not grounded in that truth? Absolute truth determines our behavior, and since we don't have that, we've basically abandoned, uh, you know, we've abandoned those behaviors because we don't have that truth. We don't have that absolute truth anymore. Um, sorry, I made my notes on the dinner table, so they're sticking together. So even our language, uh, I wrote down some words that used to mean a lot that don't really mean a lot anymore. Words like love, faith, peace, fulfillment, joy, happiness. Even the word family has changed over the course of, like I said, and a lot of this has happened recently, that it, it's just these things are changing. What means love to me may not mean love to somebody else. And what are, what's happening now is we're getting people that are getting into relationships and one person may genuinely have a love, and the other one doesn't. They have, they have love, they say love, but they don't really know what love is because they've never experienced the true love. And so now you've got couples and relationships that are just being torn apart and families that are being destroyed because the truth of these, these simple words are based upon whoever says it. But we take it for, like I said, I have a definition of love, Tina has a definition of love. If ours are different then it's not going to work. If we have two different sets or ideas of what you know, love means, then it's not going to work. And so whenever we leave things up to interpretation, which is what we're doing now because nobody has that true definition anymore, then we're setting ourselves up to be hurt, to fall, and to fail. Um, once absolute truth has no place in our lives, we can start murdering unborn children, which 
has become more and more prevalent. Um, we, have, we have organizations that now that's, I mean, that's kind of their main business. Yeah, that's their whole existence is to kill unborn babies. Why? Because the truth isn't in them anymore. The truth isn't in this community. It's not in this world. So what does killing an unborn baby mean? That means nothing. So why not just do it? And so you're seeing how the distortion of the truth is deteriorating this, what once was this great nation from the inside out. Uh, and it, it, it's got to stop. We, can, we have the ability now to lie, to cheat, and to steal without no harm, no worries, no fear. Um, you know, I, I see it all the time. I was, actually, this story was from a couple weeks ago. There was a young lady walking down the hallway. I was standing in my doorway, and she dropped a $20 bill out of her pocket. There were two young men walking behind her, both of the kids I knew. And they were literally could reach out and touch her. They stopped, they picked it up, they put it in their pocket, and they turned the other direction. I grabbed him by the shoulder. I said, come here, young man. And so I, I stopped the other girl. I was like, I believe uh, he found something of yours. And he's like, no, 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 I didn't. I said, all right. And I, I called him by name. I said, I saw you pick up the money you put in your pocket. All right, fine. And so he finally gave it. But he was going to just take it and walk away because why? Because it's okay now. It's okay. Hey, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. I mean, that was around when I was little, but... But now it's almost a way of life, you know. They don't even feel bad about doing things like that anymore. You know, this poor girl would have not been able to eat lunch that day because she didn't have her money. But it was okay because lying and cheating and stealing, hey, those are okay now. Those have, those have been obscured. It, it's, really, it's not really stealing because nobody saw me. That's usually what stealing is now. Stealing is, it's stealing if you get caught. If you didn't get caught, you didn't steal nothing, right? So the, and, that, and that's our new definition of stealing. We didn't get caught, so hey. We get away with it. We'll do it again and again and again and again. Um, so if there, if there is no right or wrong, then none of this stuff matters anymore. If we lose that ability to determine what's right and what's wrong. This one uh, will, will probably hit home with some of you as well. I know, uh, like I said, I've got three kids, but the dishonorment of parents has just become so prevalent. The dishonor, I'm a teacher. The dishonor, I get it doubly bad. I get, I get dishonored at school most of the day, and then sometimes I come home. Like I said, you know, we have a pretty tight family, so it's not as bad at my house as maybe at other homes. But, you know, I, I see what's going on at the school. And I, I have parents come in, and I talk with parents, and the kids are right there, and the kids are just in the parents' ear. That's not the truth. That's not what's going on. And I'm like, yeah, it is. And, and, I mean, there's, you know, there's a struggle. And most of the time, the, I see the parents cower down to the kids. And, and it happens day in and day out because the parents have no, have no authority. They've lost that authority. They've lost the truth, what the Bible says. Of, and, and, and true, they've given it up as well. Many of the parents have just said, you know what? I give up. Forget it because I can't get this kid to do what I need them to do. Anyway, I might as well just say, hey, you know what? You're on your own, and let's see what happens. Um, which leads me to the next point. Right now, the United States has more prisoners than it does military members at this moment in time. I was in the military as well, and so those words like honor and integrity and courage, those are things that I lived on. I mean, those were the foundation and the core of the Marine Corps that I was in. Those words don't exist in a lot of the places that I go. And so because of that, and so, I mean, you can see the correlation. We've lost honor and courage and trust and all this, and so what that's done to is that's led to an increase in prison population and a decrease in honorable men and women who want to do the right things. And, and it's just not there anymore. Okay? And like I said, I hope that some of this, I'm not trying to get everybody upset and down in the dumps, but these are just truths. These are revelations that are really going on in this country that we really need to understand and see 
what's going on because it's up to us to change this. Nobody else can change it but us. And we've got to begin to speak up and begin to use our, you know, use our voice and use our mouth to, to let people know, hey, there are truths. This is evil. This is good. This shouldn't happen. This should be what's happening. And so we've got to begin to really work and begin to not just sit quiet anymore. Um, parents are no longer given uh, obedience and honor. Proverbs 12.15 says, The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Judges 21.25 says, and, it, and you guys have all heard this one, but in those days there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And that's where we're at. And, and you know, we've been saying this, and I've heard Ray preach this for the last five, ten years. That's what's going on. The, the, the deep composure of the house and the house just being destroyed and, and children being able to do what they need to do, then, or what they want to do, I should say, it leads to a lot of this problem. Um, there is no truth, excuse me, when there is no truth, then the, the idea of honoring one's parents, honoring one's spouse, honoring one's family doesn't matter anymore. Um, basically, we've developed a society that basically says, why not just do what feels good? and we'll deal with the consequences later. I call it the five-minute mentality. There's a lot of five-minute mentalities out there. You're going to do what feels good for right now, and you're not even going to worry about what's going to happen five minutes from now, much less five days from now, five weeks from now, five years from now. The consequences have gone away because, we go back to the the judicial system, because nothing's going to happen to me. It's only stealing if I get caught. It's only murder if I get caught. It's only lying if I get caught. And so all of that has come about because of the lack of truth. I want to look real quick at Romans, Romans 1. Romans 1, verse 18. So I'm just going to read verse 18 real quick. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteous of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And so it's saying basically God's wrath is upon those who try to suppress and who do suppress the truth. Okay? And then I want to jump over down to verse 26 now. And it says, For this reason God gave, up, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the, uh, the natural use for what is against nature, Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, uh, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and, re- and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did, excuse me, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to the uh, to the debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with unrighteousness, sexual immorality wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, ill-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, uh, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, uh, undiscerning, unworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. That's a lot of uns. Uh, For knowing the righteousness judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also those who approve of those practices. Okay, so that's a very, very stern warning for us when you really look at that. 
right now as a church, we are just sitting back and we're not saying anything. And so we're almost in approvement of these things. And like I said, these are, these are all the different topics I've been talking about tonight. But by saying nothing, we are almost saying we approve of it. And so for us, we need to begin to use our voice and begin to exercise our abilities to stand up and say, hey, this isn't right. This isn't the way it should be. This isn't the way God intended things to be when he created this world. So the bottom line is that without a standard of truth, there is no good or bad action. Everything is just okay. If it's right in your own eyes, do it. If it's right in your eyes, do it. And everything that we do or say or act is okay. So our world desperately needs truth. I mean, we can all agree on that. We've got to find a way, and we need to be able to establish and reestablish the truth that we have in Christ. Um, And and let me kind of, I kind of want to backtrack a little bit, but this is, I kind of want to talk about how we lost our way, because this is kind of important as well. I think we need to understand, and and God, like I said, this, this isn't me at all. This is all God's revelation. In science class, I don't know if you guys haven't been in a science class in a while, but in the modern-day science class, what do we teach? Evolution. Okay, stay with me on this. We teach evolution. Evolution states that we are simply all accidents, right? Evolution states that there was just some stuff, and some stuff happened, and something grew out of that, and then we evolved and evolved and evolved and evolved and evolved, and ta-da, here we are. Which means there's no rhyme or reason, there's no purpose. And so think about this now, and this is especially, I think this is why we're seeing this a lot more now than we have ever before, because this was about, I think about 10 or 15 years ago is when they really adopted the theory of evolution, no more creationism, everything is evolution, that's the only thing that can be taught, that's the only thing that can be spoken in a public school. Okay? 19. So in the early 80s? Mm-hmm. Okay, so think about it. early 80s, which would have put me at about two, three years old. <laughs> so maybe this is so far my problem. Um, but basically, t- children are taught that they are accidents. You are an accident. You have no purpose. You have no ultimate design. And then we get mad when they act like accidents. There's no purpose. There's no purpose. There's no design in my life. I'm just a random happening. Why can't I just go kick this person in the face? Why can't I go murder somebody? Because it's all random. Anyway, it's all survival of the fittest. So for me, I need to do what I got to do to survive. Because that's the way we've been doing it for millions and millions of years as we've evolved and the stronger survive. So I'm going to get as strong as I can. I'm going to get as powerful as I can. I don't care how I do it or who I step on or how I do it. But I'm going to get more powerful. I'm going to get more money. I'm going to get nicer things, and anyone that gets in my way, I'm going to step on their throat because that's how it's always been done, and that's what we're teaching in the classroom, and that is what I believe is dissolving this nation because if you've got no purpose, you've got no... There's no sense in dreaming about tomorrow because tomorrow we could all be wiped out. Something bigger, better, or stronger is going to come along, so I need to live for today. I need to get myself fixed and right for today. I need to do what I need to do for today. I don't care about tomorrow. When tomorrow gets here, I'll get tougher, I'll get stronger. And so we've lived with this mentality now for almost 30 years of we're all accidents, so why don't we act like it? And like I said, and I think that's something that's really gotten into the minds of our kids, and, you know, and, and it's 
going to be built up. And this is going to be a generational curse that's going to have to be broken because they've lived with this now for 20, 30 years of the fact that, hey, you were just an accident. You have no purpose. You have no design. You have no maker. You just were this, and you evolved, and now you're this. And eventually we're going to be something else anyway. We're going to keep evolving. Okay? And so think about that, though. Especially as, I mean, think about a, I don't know, six, seven, eight-year-old being told that. You were just a random chance. You were, I mean, you could have just as soon had, you know, an eye back here and, and flippers for feet. You know, if we evolved that way, that's how you could have been. So, but no, God gave us two eyes. He gave us a nose. He gave us, God formed us in his own image. We have an image. We have a creator. And when we're not told that, then everything else seems to just kind of fade away. So evolution, the evolutionary philosophy steals, us, steals each and every person of their identity. It rips away the identity of who we were created to be. And once that's gone, and nothing else matters. Also in this country, we begin to reject the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not murder, steal, lie. Those things are just, pff, whatever. I mean, they're taking them off of statues and monuments. They're trying to sandblast those things off now. We've, we've lost that identity of, of the Ten Commandments. Just the simplest ten lies. I mean, even if you weren't a Christian, those things are just good things to live by. Don't steal, don't lie, you know, don't hurt your neighbor. Those are just good things. I mean, if you ask me, that's just being a good human being. But we're now, like I said, we're sandblasting those things off of monuments in front of, in front of courthouses, and, and we're stricken them off of, off of, you know, the books. And we begin to demoralize and, and just basically disintegrate these commandments. And so now we don't have those essential essences for living. Um, So, in the losing of this absolute truth, I mean, it's probably been one of the most devastating things that's happened in, in the world. In the history of the United States and in the history of the world, this, this deterioration has probably been what has caused the most problems and the most turmoil in our, in our nation and in our world. Because the definition of truth has changed and because truth has become relative and people don't see Jesus as the absolute truth anymore. We've gone away from Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's the truth. We've gone to, that's great, you believe that, I believe this. Somebody else believes something else. And everything is, everything is relative to what they believe. Um, I want to turn to Second Thessalonians. I want to show you guys something there real quick. There we go. So Second Thessalonians 2. And then in verse 9. I'm in First Thessalonians. Let me go a second. That's why it didn't look right. Okay, verse 9. It says, And the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteousness, deception, and among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of truth that they might be saved. So truth, the truth of Jesus Christ is love. It, it's pure and absolute love. For this reason, God will send them strong delusions that they should believe in a lie, that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in the unrighteousness. Once again, it's kind of a stern warning here for those who are leading that life and who are not 
willing and open and accepting of what the truth says. A lot of people believe now that if I'm just a... Because, I mean, ultimately, you talk to people, they, they still believe in heaven, maybe not so much hell, but they believe to get to heaven, all they have to do is be a good person. That's it. Look, I'm a good person, and I, I give to charity. I, you know, I help out the poor. I help out, you know, I hold doors open for people when they walk in the building. I am a good person. And see, and, and that's where that, that's the relative truth. That, that's a relative truth. In their eyes, look, I am good enough. You know, I even give to a church sometimes. And we go on Thanksgiving, or, and we give thanks, uh, and we, we pray that day. And usually Easter will go, and we'll make it on Christmas, you know, sometimes. You know, and, and that's what they believe, and that's what they feel is all that is needed. But we know when you look at the truth of the Bible, it's so much more than that. And so we've got to begin to dispel this myth of, well, I'm just good enough. Um, Here's the other problem we do. We try to implement our solutions to the problems. And that's where we begin to obscure that truth as well. When we begin to say, well, this is the way we probably should do it. This is the way that I think we should do it. And we get into, and that's when we vote on things and things get passed. And that's where we kind of get our judgment skewed when we don't find the truth in the Bible to justify basically what we are doing and what we are saying. Um, We can't outlaw evil when there is no definition of good. And that's what we're finding right now is we don't have a, for lack of better terms, we don't have a good definition of what good is. We have a definition of what, you know, of what the Republicans think is good, what the Democrats think are good, what the Green Party think is good. We We have all these definitions of what good is, but we don't have the right definition of what good is. We don't have the true definition of what good is. And so how can we determine what's evil? Because there, there's only, I mean, there's good and there's evil. There, like I said, we, we talked earlier, there's no gray area. You either know good and then you know evil. You can't not know good and then say, oh, yeah, but that's evil. Because, and that's what we get into. Um, like I said it's kind of a silly thing, but I got a guy at, at my job who's always kind of getting on to me about certain things that I don't, that I don't do according to the book, you know, uh, at my school. Uh, you know, like, we have to line up in line and walk our kids to lunch, stuff like that. And my kids are usually a little bit rowdy. I have all guys, and so they're a little bit rowdier, and we don't actually walk quietly to lunch. And so he'll say something like, well, you know, there's Enderly's class just talking. I'm like, hey, man, you know, we're trying. We're trying to get them in line. We're trying to keep them quiet. And so that's what, you know, that's what he harps on me about. You know, and... But yet there's other, there's other truths that he doesn't follow in the school. You know what I mean? So we, we all have our, our nitpicky ideas of, oh, well, this is what you should do. But I'm allowed to do these little things over here that are equally as evil or equally not as good or whatever. And so we have that battle of what we think is good and what we think is evil. But we don't have a true definition of what is good and what is evil anymore. Uh, John 8.32 says, And you shall know, which means to perceive, to realize, or to recognize the truth. And the truth will make you free, or will liberate you, is another definition for making you free. So we need to begin to perceive the truth, to know the truth, to understand the truth, and then that will begin to liberate and to set us free. Um, Contrary to popular opinion, because this is what we believe now, but there is someone who has the right to tell you how to live your life. And we don't want to hear that either. You don't have the right to tell me how to live my life. Well, sorry, but yes, there is someone who tells you explicitly how it is we are to live our life, how we are to love one another, how we are to care for one another. 
But people don't want to hear that anymore. No, no, no. I get to live it how I want to live it. You can't tell me that there's someone that can. But there is also someone whose opinion is more than just an idea, because that's a lot of the things too. Well, this is a, like I said, a lot of people really, when it comes to the Bible, a lot of people really think, well, that, yeah, the Bible's good. It's got a lot of good things in there. There's a lot of good stories. There's a lot of good ways to live your life. But they don't look at it as the truth. And so when you tell them the truth, they want to argue, no, well, yeah, that's what you believe and that's what you think. And they don't want to hear that absolute truth part of it. Instead, they just say, well, that's an opinion. Okay, that's, that's the opinion of the Bible. In my opinion, I think this or I think that. There's only one person whose vote really even matters. Okay? I, there's only one person, you know, I, I, you know, I try to do, I try to do uh, right by my wife and by my kids, and I try to do all these things, but when it comes down to it, my wife has no say on my soul. She has no say on what's going to happen to me. I am the only one who has a say in my life. I'm the only one who can live my life to the fullest and the way God has created me to be. You know, and like I said, it might be offensive sometimes. You might lose friends sometimes. It, like I said, just because of that style of life and the way we are called to be, Ultimately, there's only one vote. God's the only vote in my life of how I should live my life. You know, there, you know, my wife can give suggestions and ideas and thoughts, but ultimately, if it doesn't line up, which obviously, hopefully it would, but if it doesn't line up with, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, then I have to reject that. You know, I, I, can't, I can't let others guide my decisions and my thoughts and my life. Um, that his vote's the only one that counts. You, he, he's the one you're going to have to give an account to, and he's the one who has the absolute standards. When we talk about how to live our life, this is the absolute standards, and he's the one who has it. Um, we need to basically become the people and to accept the fact um, of what God said. And uh, this is John 14, 6, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he wasn't saying for some people. He wasn't saying for just a few people. This was an absolute truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no compromise. There is no, well, how about this or how about that? No, no, that is an absolute, fundamental Christianity truth. There's no, there's no opinions, there's no thoughts, there's no additions, there's no asterisk, and then down at the bottom there's a footnote. No, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's it. That is it. That is an absolute truth. Um, so when he said it, he wasn't being relative, he wasn't speaking, he, was, he wasn't speaking relatively, he wasn't speaking if you feel like it, he was speaking an absolute truth. Um, I'm going to read this scripture real quick, it's in Ecclesiastics 12, 13, and 14, but I'm just going to go ahead and read it. It said, let us hear the conclusion for the matter. Fear God and his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So ultimately, God is going to tell you and, and determine, did you live your life good or did you live it evil? And it's not based upon, well, God, I didn't think that was evil. I thought that was good. You know, I, I thought that was a good way to do it. God said, well, did it line up with what my absolute truth said? If it was no, then it was evil. So we've got to really, and this isn't just a challenge for all of America. This is a challenge for Christians as well. There were some things in my life when I was you know, going through this message, I was like, okay, is this really good? Is this really the way God wants me to live my life? Is this an absolute truth? Or is this just something I'm kind of twisting, even if you're twisting it just a hair, I mean, just, just enough to twist it, 
then it's evil because there's either good or there's evil. There's not an in-between. Um, the answer to this need must begin on a personal level. We must begin to look at ourselves personally. We must be able to look at ourselves individually because ultimately we are responsible to God. Um, if we commit ourselves to his absolute truth, we will begin to see real change in this world. But we've got to begin to commit our lives first and then go out and take back the world. But it's got to start inward first. And so this is kind of a time of reflection where we really need to kind of look at ourselves and make sure we are in alignment with his absolute truth before we go out and try to help others to see what the truth is. Um, like I said, this is kind of what we do in our treasure hunts. You know, we go out and we do these treasure hunts. If we don't have the truth in us, then you're not going to be received. And I've, I've found that out several times where people wouldn't receive me because I, I came at it the wrong way or I said the wrong thing. But when I came at them with just the simple truth, Jesus loves you, Jesus cares for you, Jesus is the answer to your problems, you actually get received a lot better than trying to come in and tell them what you think or what you believe or what you feel. Like I said, none of that matters. None of your feelings matter. The only thing that matters is who God says they are and who God says that you are. Um, um, So we're going to be looking at it differently, obviously, when you do things like this. But luckily, Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness or truth, for they shall be filled. So by doing this and filling yourself, you will begin to fill others. Um, And so we need to have a daily feeling of truth ourselves. If we're not having a daily feeling of truth, then you're going to begin to get into that gray area again. If you're not having a daily feeling of what is right and what is wrong and what is good and what is evil... You're going to begin to slowly, and this is a slow, this doesn't, that's the thing about this. This doesn't happen like, boom, it happens. It's like little things, and and it's never, very, very rarely is it just one big thing that you just slide off into evil. It's like little things, and little compromises, and little thoughts, and little things here, you know, kind of maybe an inappropriate joke here, and then you kind of slip a little bit more, and then that turns into something else. And so we've got to be careful, and we've got to be, you know, I, i We've, we, just, we have to be in the truth. And if we're not, then we're going to find ourselves very easily and very quickly sliding in the other direction. Um, so if you want to know what the absolute answers are, and this is, I'm going to kind of close here, but if you want to know what the absolute answers are, then you've got to go to the one who has the absolute knowledge. Okay, and I know Ray's talked about this before with the cars. If you've got a Toyota, take it to a Toyota dealer. You've got a Honda, take it to a Honda dealer. Okay, you, you know, you, you don't take a Honda to a Ford dealer, okay? They won't even have the right wrenches because one's standard and one's metric. So you've got to make sure you're taking it to the right place. So if you want to know what absolute answers are, look for the one who has absolute knowledge. If you want to know the truth about the beginning of the world and you want to know what purpose we are here for and what purpose God has created us for, go to the one who was there when it was created. All right? I, I know these things are simple facts, but some of us sometimes don't realize that. You know, I want to know what my purpose is. Well, God created you. Go back to the source. God was here before you were even born, before you, you know, before you were even conceived. God was here. God knew you. God's created you for a plan, for a purpose. If you want to know what the standards are, you want to know, um, you want to know what the truth standards are for how we should live our lives, then go to the one who defined reality. God defined reality in the Bible and told us who we are and how we're to live. If you want ultimate proof, um, excuse me, if you want ultimate proof that there is an absolute truth, it's not going to come through just talking about it or thinking about it. It's going to come from a personal encounter with Christ Jesus. If you have not had that personal encounter or if you have kind of fallen back from that encounter and that first love, 
then that truth is not going to be able to come into your heart to be able to come into your body. So you've got to make sure you've got that one-on-one, that close, personal, intimate, daily relationship with your Father, and He will begin to establish that truth in you, and you, you'll begin to walk out in that truth. God has uh, implanted us with all the knowledge that we need, and what you don't have, it's right here. So, yeah, and this is where we get into the truth of really looking into it daily. Um, creation testifies to the fact that He's real. Okay, there's, I've seen nothing. You know, sometimes uh, I work close to downtown. Sometimes I just kind of sit back and I look at everything that's around. I'm just like, there is no way this was an accident. My mind cannot comprehend. I'm like, I mean, every blade of grass, every flower, I mean, every person. You just look at the faces of people and you're just like, there is no way. This is just some random crazy, it's impossible to, for my mind to even conceive it. And that's why I have a hard time with people who, you know, believe in evolution. I'm like, there is no freaking way that we are just so, I mean, just, we are perfectly, beautifully designed. I mean, everything about the environment, every, I just, sometimes I'm like, you know what, all right, I give up. I just, I just can't even, just because I get so flabbergasted at the idea that you would think that this is just random. Really? This is just And, and there you go, because, yeah, because if there is no creator, if there is no truth, if there is no knowledge, if there is no then, once again, we do what's right in our own eyes, and we can do whatever we want, say whatever we want, survival of the fittest, the evolution mentality. And so it's just, like I said, it, it's mind-boggling when I listen to people and, and, I, and I hear people. But he laid down the absolute moral code for us to follow, and it's the truth, and it's the absolute truth. All you need to do is kind of just look through it. And the whole Bible is clear. This is good. This is evil. This started in, in Genesis. This is all good. This one thing is evil. But everything else is good. So even from the moment of creation, there was good and there was evil. But yet we kind of slowly sunk over to the evil. And, and like I said, it's in our nature to do that. And we, 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 it, this is a constant battle. It's a constant daily struggle. And that's why we've got to be loaded up with the truth. Because when you've got that truth, the evil doesn't look so good. But the good looks great. Um, Psalms 19, 7 through 10 said, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making, the wise, or make, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinance of the Lord are sure and altogether righteousness. I mean, I don't know how much simpler I can put this or, or, or whatever. I, I kind of want to read. We've got, yeah, we got a little time. I, I want to read just one more scripture. And you guys can turn. It's in John. I, I just have to read this and then I'll close. Um, but it's in John 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5, and then I'm going to skip to 14 through 18. But it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. And then jump over to verse 14. It said, And the Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. 
and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness, uh, John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness,